to smoke about this time of the day. And all this is keeping me to where I can't go do it. Now, I'm gonna go do it. Well, hello, and welcome to another session of About This Time of Day, a Teen Mom podcast, where we are living in 2009 and would like to stay there. My name is V, I am your host, and this is a show where we get a little high and we talk a little teen mom. And you have joined us on the episode where we are finally going to talk teen mom too. We spent the last four episodes getting to learn about the girls we're going to be seeing this season of Teen Mom 2, and we are starting with the very first episode of the very first season of this franchise. So I hope you're excited, I hope you're stocked up, and I hope you're ready to go. This session's companion strain is Blue Domina, or Domina, in a cartridge. I know I've fallen back into the cartridge game, but... Honestly, I forgot to pick a strain for this session, and I had just bought this cartridge, and I said, you know what? We can just use it, and it's not the first time that's happened. I am a stoner. This strain is really nice. I'm liable to buy anything that has blue in the name. I just love the color blue. I love blue strains. I think I've said that before when we did another blue strain, (laughs) but you know by now that if it's blue, I'm going to buy it, so... That's the story with this one. I saw it, I bought it, and it's really tasty. It has a distinct flavor, and it's a lot gassier than other cartridges that I've had lately, so that was pretty cool too. I typically don't like that, but I think since it's blue, I'm giving it a pass. The first episode of Teen Mom 2 aired on January 10th, 2011. So does this mean that I have to change the intro to living in 2011 or 2010? I really wanted to avoid doing that, but maybe it's time. I don't know. Not this session. The description for this first episode reads, Teen mom Janelle's partying forces her mom to take away custody, and Leah tries to work things out with the father of her twins. Chelsea tries to get on track to graduate, while Kaylin is heartbroken after her breakup with Joe. So there is clearly a lot going on, and this is just the first episode. And this first episode of Teen Mom 2 starts with Leah. She drops a doozy on us in her recap as we start off the episode. It's nothing we haven't necessarily suspected, and of course... Hardcore Teen Mom fans have already known this, but she tells us right in the very beginning of her introduction that, oops, she did cheat on Corey with Robbie. Now, I will level with you guys. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. But again, watching it from a critical point of view and trying to decipher things and suss things out, I definitely picked that up just by how they were talking to each other and how their attitudes changed throughout their episode. Leah tells us that her cheating on Corey with Robbie was the basis for their separation, and she realized too late that it was Corey that she wanted to be with all along. Allie and Aaliyah, Leah's two girls, are now seven months old. Okay, so mark that down, seven months. I was terrible at telling the kids' age in the last season, so trying to pay attention this time. Seven months. And Leah tells us that she takes care of them during the week, every week, But she still managed to get through school, and she's about to graduate high school. 
good for her. Remember how skeptical I was when I heard she had to take a whole week off and then took time off before she had the twins? Oh my goodness, I was worried, but she proved me wrong and I couldn't be happier about that. Leah says that she's invited Corey to her graduation, but she's not sure if he's going to come. However, he did agree to meet up and just kind of talk things over, probably for the show so they can recap where they are now. I personally feel that point is further driven home when during the discussion, Corey is very hesitant to give Leah any leeway. They meet up at a park and are sitting at a picnic table underneath a pavilion, and I think it must be the same park that they were at in their episode of 16 and Pregnant, where they're sitting on the swings and talking about how young they are to be in a relationship with two kids on the way. Leah mentions to Corey, remember when we were sitting on those swings? We were so happy and thinking about the future. Corey then says, almost in a mocking tone, yeah, I was in love, but then you, bam, hits his fist on the table. Clearly in reference to how he perceives the way that Leah treated his heart and his feelings, which I could say is pretty accurate. Leah attempts to do some damage control in that moment where she tries to tell him, look, when that happened, I can honestly tell you, my heart was not fully with you. And he said, yeah, well, my heart was with you. <laughs> Absolutely no room for her to even say that she's sorry. Corey doesn't really seem to want to hear it. Leah does say that nothing that she could say, no excuse she could give could ever make up for it but it still doesn't move Corey. The scene briefly transitions back to Leah's house where she and her friend Kayla are holding the girls and discussing what's going on with Corey. Kayla asks Leah if she thinks that Corey is seeing other people and Leah says that he is. She says that he's acting the way that she used to act when she was seeing other people behind his back and she doesn't like getting a taste of her own medicine. She starts tearing up a bit and says that she hopes it's not too late. Her voiceover comes through and ends out that scene by saying she can't change the past, but she's not going to give up on their future yet. When we next see Leah, it is the rehearsal for her graduation day. Very exciting. She is very proud to have made it this far, and I'm very proud of her as well. And I think it's super exciting that we finally get to see one of the moms graduate. I feel like all these other graduations, whether it was in 16 and Pregnant or Teen Mom 1, that a lot of them happen off camera. And I'm just excited to get to kind of see the process of a teen mom getting ready for her graduation ceremony. Very exciting stuff. Leah's mom, Dawn, is taking Leah to get her hair done, and the babies are in tow, of course. And Leah is just talking about how it's been a hard road getting here, but she's so excited that she's finally made it. Mama Dawn asks Leah if Corey is coming, and Leah simply answers, that's up to him, I guess. Which is a less than confident answer, but unfortunately, because of their circumstances, this is just the one that she's left with. Mama Dawn says, well, as long as you're getting along for the kids. Which, I guess, is one antiquated way of looking at it, sure. But antiquated as it is, Leah does agree with her mom. And her voiceover closes out that scene by saying, I know we're broken up, but after everything we've been through, I really hope Corey comes. Leah's next scene is short but significant. It is the day of her graduation and we see her getting ready, we see her getting the little girls ready, and we see her and her family attending her graduation. 
but we don't see Corey. Leah is shown texting Corey before the ceremony begins, saying something like, oh, it would mean a lot to me if you come. But at the end of the ceremony, there's still no sign of him. Leah is taking pictures with her family and friends outside of the auditorium, and we see many instances of her looking around, looking for somebody, looking for Corey. She's shown very briefly at the end of this scene talking to her sister and just mentioning that she really wished Corey would have come or at least text her back. Apparently there has been zero communication from him that day. Her sister and Leah are saying, well, if he cared, wouldn't he have at least said something? He must not care, that kind of thing. And obviously leaving Leah in a pretty depressing place. Unfortunately, that's where her scene ends out, and we move on. Also, it wasn't her sister, it was her friend Kayla. Who cares? I'm surprised that Leah's surprised. Given just the way Corey greeted her and talked to her in the very opening scene of this episode, I don't know where she would think he would miraculously show up. It's pretty clear he's not anywhere near to forgiving you. Could easily see him not coming to your graduation, which would mean so much to you, as payback for, oh, cheating on him and treating a relationship with him secondary to literally everything else in your life, except your two daughters. Leah's next scene is also brief, but still very important. Her voiceover says that it's about to be her and Corey's would-be one-year anniversary had they stayed together, and she's going to call him to see if he wants to stay for dinner when he comes to pick up the girls. She gives him a call and first asks why he wasn't at her graduation. He says, that he just couldn't make it. Okay, that's fine, whatever. She offers dinner as a substitute. He's hesitant, but he agrees. So it looks like Leah might have a dinner date. In Leah's final scene of the episode, Corey is making good on his agreement to come to dinner at Leah's for their would-be one-year anniversary and also for the handoff of the babies. Leah is making what looks to be fried chicken and macaroni and cheese, and I think there's one other thing in there, but I'm not totally sure. It looks good, though, and I'm not mad at her about it. Oh, a cake in the oven. Yum. Corey walks in, greets the baby girls, asks Leah how they've been, and proceeds to make some small talk as they sit down for dinner. Did you get a real bad, or is that still just my mattress? It's, it's, I put another mattress in between it. Mine or dad's ain't comfortable at all. I wake up every day with a sore back. Don't hit like mine. It's ten times better. Don't hurt the blood in that bed. Hmm? Nothing. What'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> What'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> Something about who's laid in that bed. Uh-huh. Yeah, you did. Okay, one thing I don't understand is why Corey will make these snide remarks. He did it earlier in the episode as well but then not own up to what he said. Leah asks him straight up more than once, what did you say? And then when she confronts him directly on, it was about somebody being in my bed. I think the direct quote was, he doesn't know who's been laying in that bed. He still denies it. You're really depressing me right now. I'm sorry, what do you want me to do? Anything you said hasn't been nice. It's hard. If, if, if we could work it out, Leah. It'd be great. But you said at the beginning of our relationship that we jumped into it, didn't you? 
and that was going too fast. We knew each other for a month, got pregnant, right? Correct? That was at the beginning, Corey. The beginning, yeah. It's a year okay, what happened? It. What happened in that 10 months that we dated? So Why don't you put yourself in the situation that I was in? What situation, Leah? Corey, being 17 and young, it's hard. It's not easy. I agree, yeah. And sometimes it takes stuff to happen for you to realize that. Yeah. You don't have to be punished for, but, okay. for it, though. No, I'm not punishing you. I'm, I'm trying to make sure myself that it's not going to go back right. the same way it was. Okay, now this may be a complete case of me reading too deeply into things, as we know I like to do, but Corey's sincerity here when he agrees with Leah that, yeah, it does sometimes take things to happen for you to realize what's important, what's not important, and where your priorities are, it's very real. I really feel like in that moment where he just replies, yeah, or sure, or whatever he says, he is actually flipping a switch. Go back and listen again. It seems like in that moment, he's like, yeah, I've definitely had to do some things where I had to learn from experience and maybe it wasn't the best way, but I had to learn and maybe she's feeling the same way. Maybe this could be worth a shot. Well, it's not fair. You beat me up about all the time. I was hurt really bad. Now, I don't mean to upset you early on. I want to work it out for us and the kids, yeah. But do I think it needs time, yeah. During this musical break, Leah pulls the cake that she was baking out of the oven and starts to put chocolate frosting on it. I don't want a cornbread right now. <laughs> what the hell is it? Watch, H. <laughs> Why are you being so corny? Because I'm corny now. When Leah tells Corey to watch, she is writing happy one year, I heart you, and frosting on the cake with pink icing. It's very cute, and that's why you hear Corey asking, why are you so corny? It's really funny considering he thought it was cornbread and now he's calling her corny. <laughs> As that scene continues, it's a lot of crying. Corey breaks down in tears because I'm sure he's overwhelmed and confused and feeling things that he hasn't felt in a few months at least. And of course, Leah at that point in time also says, I got you a card. It reads, you are the one on the front of it. We don't get to hear the rest of what it says or see the rest of it, but Corey keeps crying. And then Leah's crying and the two of them are crying and I'm crying. And then suddenly it's 8 p.m. and he's got to get the girls home. So Leah volunteers to help him get the girls together to the car. They part ways. Leah is crying in the driveway as she's contemplating the evening, and that is where this episode ends. Next, we meet up with Kaylin. She was the last girl in our 16 and Pregnant recap, so hopefully we remember a little bit about her already. We left off with her and Joe in an okay place. It seemed like they were getting along better than at the start of the episode, that's for sure. And Kaylin was feeling very positive about the future. She was very optimistic and looking forward to working hard and letting that light shine through, if I'm remembering correctly. Now we catch up with Kaylin in present day 2010 or 2011, and 
she's still doing pretty well. She's graduated high school, she is in community college, and she has a part-time job. But what about her and Joe? According to Kaylin, over the last few months, her and Joe's relationship has really deteriorated. Kale's voiceover tells us that Joe has been really controlling of her and where she goes, and he thinks he's allowed to be this way because she depends on him for his car. The scene quickly transitions to an argument being had in, I think, Joe's driveway, where Joe is arguing with Kale about how many miles she put on his car, and saying that she didn't go out, but she did go out, and... I'm not quite sure what's really happening here because I highly doubt this is only about mileage on a car. I'm getting some Leah cheating vibes and not to give too much away, but we know that that is not really far off in Kaylin's story. Unfortunately, the way it's being presented to the viewer makes it seem like Joe is being extremely controlling and probably manipulative, just assuming. And it gives the viewer a very unsettling feeling about Joe. Now, if you remember, I did say that Joe is one we have to watch. He does improve. But being shitty about 100 miles on your car or not mm, is not a great look. Kale and Joe continue to fight in the driveway. Janet is also there in another car asking for baby Isaac. Kalen goes over and gives baby Isaac to Janet. Baby Isaac is seven months old, by the way. So, okay, two babies that are seven months old. Keep that in mind. The scene then transitions back inside the house to where Kaylin's voiceover is saying that they don't want to be fighting in front of Isaac, so they're going to try their best to be civil. A conversation between Kale and Joe starts on the couch in what I imagine is the living room. And I guess Joe's idea of civility is asking Kaylin to move out. Oh boy, he says to Kalen that they've been fighting a lot lately, he just can't take it anymore, and it would probably be best if they lived separately for a while. Now, I cannot blame Joe for presenting this. Hey, I can't take it. You need to figure yourself out. This is not working for me. It sucks, and it is shitty for Kalen, because as the conversation continues, she asks, well, where should I go? Joe says, I guess your mom's. Okay, we know she's super attentive and supportive of Kaylin and all that she does in her life. Joe says that it's the way it's gotta be, and Kale says no, it's the way you want it to be. Kale's voiceover closes out her rather shocking first scene of Teen Mom 2 by saying she doesn't think that her mom's place is going to be an option. She's going to have to think of another plan. Kaylin's next scene opens up with her voiceover saying, between work, school, and taking care of Isaac, she's barely had any time to think about her breakup with Joe. The scene starts with Kale and Isaac heading into a restaurant, and they're actually meeting Kale's mom for lunch. Okay, cool. Kale puts baby Isaac, who is just so sweet, into a high chair, and as Kale sits down, her mom asks if she brought a toy for him to play with at the table, then proceeds to hand baby Isaac a jelly packet, like the kind that, I don't know if they still do it, you know, with COVID and everything, but the kind they used to just put at the table when you go to IHOP or something, just to put on your toast. <laughs> This is like Amber Portwood level of child's toys, okay? So again, that shows us exactly where Kale's mom is on the maternal scale. Kale takes the jelly packet away from baby Isaac, and she and her mom start to have a conversation. 
Kale's mom asks how her day was, and Kale says, well, I did this, that, the other thing, lists off a whole bunch of things that she did during the day, and throws in at the end, oh, and Joe and I broke up. Joe and I broke up. You did? Yep. Why did this happen? He said I have a bad attitude that he feels taken advantage of, and we're always fighting about the car. I'm really sorry that things didn't work out for you. Where does this leave you as far as the living situation goes? I really don't know. I don't want to live with my mom, but it sucks that she didn't offer. I think what sucks more than the fact that Kale's mom did not offer her a place to stay is that Kale is still expecting her mom to maybe offer her a place to stay. It's one of those things where it's like you need to stop expecting so much of them because they're never going to deliver. And I, I'm saying this having seen the whole series so far, at least what I want to see of it, and drawing from what I know of people and what I know of older adults saying this as a fucking 30-year-old. God. Regardless, I see Kale here struggling to see her mom for who she really is. You and I both knew that her mom was never going to offer her a place to stay, yet here we have Kale trying to ask anyway, or at least hint around at it. I agree, she shouldn't have to ask outright, and I wish that her mom did offer, but did I expect it? Absolutely not. Kale's voiceover continues and says that she's going to ask Janet, Joe's mom, if she can maybe stay at their house even though she and Joe aren't together anymore. This conversation goes exactly how you would expect it would, almost fantastically even. Kale politely asks if she could please somehow stay in the house, and Janet tells her, you know, even though you and Joe aren't together, I wouldn't have a problem with you staying in the basement bedroom. I told you that I was going to be there for you whether Joe was in your life or not, and I stand by that. Wow. None of my ex's mothers would ever want me staying in their house with them, trust me. So this woman is a fucking saint. When we next see Kale, she has moved downstairs to the basement bedroom that Janet has so graciously allowed her to take, and she is pretty much getting settled. Unfortunately, Joe is not thrilled that she has taken up this residence in his basement, and Kale can't believe that it's this awkward and this strenuous on their relationship. Um, I'm not sure what you were expecting. Oh, these girls are so oblivious. Like, <laughs> you broke up and yet, in his mind, conned his mother into letting you stay downstairs? Yeah, uh, he's not really happy about that. I'm not surprised. For some reason, MTV puts this scene in where Kale's voiceover says, It's time to start telling my friends what's been going on. I didn't know she was keeping it from her friends, first of all. Second of all, the friend that she then brings downstairs into her basement bedroom, I've never seen before in any of the episodes, but keep in mind that I am extremely high during most of these screenings, so it's possible I have seen her, but it's not like anybody I remember from watching the show a thousand times over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Kale explains to her friend that this is her bedroom now, and her friend inquires as to why, Kaylin. 
Kaylin explains what happened between her and Joe, how they're broken up, but she's allowed to stay there as we've figured out and heard so many times. I'm not sure why they're driving this point home. But then Kale does continue to say that she feels awkward all the time in the house now, once again, who's surprised. And she even feels awkward around other people in the house, not just Joe. I would love to know what she thought was going to happen. Everything would just be like normal. Normal was you two fighting, so what did you want? What did you want? And no, she really didn't have a choice since her mother didn't do jack shit to help her. Kale tells her friend that it would be a lot easier and so different if she and Joe were still together. This just isn't what she pictured for her future. Her voiceover comes in at that point and says, it's not what she pictured, but it's how it is. Kale does make mention in that conversation with her friend that it is so awkward sometimes that she looks forward to going to work just to get out of the house. Turns out getting out of the house isn't the only reason. As we learn in her next scene, she also looks forward to work because she's making new friends there. Kale's voiceover tells us that her mom has let her borrow her car since Joe has banned her from his car. So, okay, one thing that Kale's mom has helped her with. Hmm. Then we see Kale driving to work, presumably being at work, and then leaving work, walking out with a very tall gentleman that we learn is named Jordan. As they get closer to Kale's car, or Kale's mom's car, Jordan asks her, do you think we could hang out sometime? Kale gives him a very non-committal response and says, I don't know, maybe, we'll see. Which, given her situation, probably just should be a no, but at least she's not completely shooting him down, I guess? Jordan keeps asking, oh, just a maybe, just a we'll see, and Kale tells him that that's the best that she could do right now. They say goodbye part ways, and as Kale sits in her car, her voiceover ends out that scene by saying, If Joe and I can't get along, why shouldn't I start seeing someone new? Uh, maybe because you fucking live at his house? Next on this first episode of Teen Mom 2, we meet up with Chelsea... Wow, saving the train wrecks for last. If you recall from Chelsea's 16 and Pregnant episode, Chelsea and her baby daddy dumbass Adam broke up in a super messy way. Adam sent a very insulting text to Chelsea telling her to please sign over the papers for that mistake, referring to the sweetest baby Aubrey. Chelsea's voiceover tells us in her introduction that Adam sees Chelsea once a month and that's about the only time they talk. Well, I'm glad they only talk once a month, but I really fucking hate that he's only seeing Aubrey once a month. Chelsea also lets the viewer know that she fell too far behind in her high school work to graduate in time, but thankfully, the school is letting her make up a lot of work from home so she can still get her diploma. When we see Chelsea after her brief recap, she is shown at her father's place where I'm assuming she's living now, feeding baby Aubrey some string cheese. I have not yet heard how old Aubrey is. Chelsea's voiceover says that she's just turned 18 and she really wants to move out to her own place with her best friend Megan, who we did see in her 16 and Pregnant episode. Chelsea tells us that her father has agreed to pay the rent as long as she keeps up with her schoolwork. Aw, thanks, daddy. I really shouldn't make fun, though, because my parents did buy me my car. 
However, I am an only child, and I am paying my own rent now, which is why you might hear some strange echoes. Sorry about that. So you're ready to do it on your own? Yes. Because it's a little bit different. I don't think it's going to be different on my own. And if I need a break, Megan will help me. Yeah. It's just cool. I have, like, our own house. It's not even, like, an apartment. It's a nice house. And then it's going to be hard. you got to get back in the school swing. I know. All right. Well, here's the key. <laughs> don't ruin it. Party. No party. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't ruin it. Spoken like a true rent pair. The scene continues, and apparently it's moving day, so Chelsea and her friends are helping her and her friend Megan move into their new rental home. How fucking cool is that? I, I'm i a little excited for her because I just moved into a new apartment, so I don't have to wait until 1am to record this podcast anymore. I can do it at 1pm and not worry about who's listening to me or how loud I'm being. Very excited, and I'm sure Chelsea is super excited as well to be kind of moving out there playing house and taking care of her little one mostly on her own and not only am i excited but chelsea's excited megan's excited and little baby aubrey is so excited that she shit all over herself i'm sorry she is a baby but it's just incredible how mtv puts this together they walk in the house chelsea picks up little aubrey and says oh she stinks and realizes oh no, there's poop on her pant leg. And then Megan says, oh no, there's poop on her stomach. And everyone is just kind of, ah, like screaming, but not really screaming, kind of panicking. But you know, it is just poop, but it's also a brand new house and poor baby Aubrey needs to get cleaned up ASAP. Oh my God, welcome home. Chelsea asks Megan to run and get a towel. Megan brings a towel for little baby Aubrey to lay on. The poor thing. And Chelsea says they have to call Grandma because she didn't pack any clothes. You didn't pack any clothes at all? Or do you just mean any extra clothes in the diaper bag? I'm confused. I feel like it's a known fact, at least for me as a 30-year-old woman, If you have a baby, you need to bring a change of clothes with you wherever you go. Babies are messy. They get into messy things, and they haven't learned their fine motor skills yet. We need to keep these babies clean. Chelsea, you're dropping the ball a little bit by not bringing a change of clothes on such an active day to where Aubrey could be getting into so many things and being so excited that this happens. As they're waiting for Grandma Mary to arrive, Chelsea says something that seems offhand, but to me says a lot in that moment. She says to her friend Megan, I feel like I'm taking away from your teenageness with all this. And it's a valid observation. It's kind of jarring to walk into your first house, be all excited to move, and have to stop everything because there is a diarrhea accident. Once Grandma firmly has a handle on the situation, Chelsea, Megan, and her friends continue moving in, and a few short moments later, they're all done. God, I love the magic of TV. It's like they pulled one couch in, placed a few cups in the cupboard, and said, yes, we have a house. Ah, okay. When we next see Chelsea, she and Megan are getting settled into their house pretty well. Chelsea's voiceover says that Megan has been helping her more than Adam ever has. So that goes to show you exactly how involved Adam ever was. 
Chelsea's voiceover says that it is difficult to go out with baby Aubrey because she's still just a little baby, so her friends are coming over. The scene then transitions to Chelsea, Megan, and their friends, of course with baby Aubrey, in the living room, and one of her friends asks her, what's the deal with Adam right now? Chelsea says that they haven't been talking, there isn't a deal with Adam. She doesn't want to be with Adam, but she still is hurting when she sees him. And I get that, you know, you just have this sadness when you see somebody because of a memory you have with them or your history together, and obviously with a child, it's that much more intense. So I see how Chelsea can still be hurt and supposedly not also wanting to be with him. Chelsea says the most difficult part about being completely done with Adam, quote-unquote done with Adam, is that Aubrey won't ever have a family in Chelsea's mind. Aubrey will be missing out on that family unit, and Chelsea says in this moment as well that her parents are divorced, and she hates it, which is an understandable statement, but a very strong one from someone who we haven't really seen that many strong opinions from before in the past, unless it had to do with, obviously, baby Aubrey or Adam. So it's interesting to hear something outside of her relationships and what she thinks about that. MTV editing, or perhaps the actual conversation, makes it seem like Chelsea moves on very quickly from her mentioning that she hates her parents' divorce onto, but it will be okay, we'll find a new guy. And she's kind of joking around, but she's got this little smile on her face, her friends are telling her, you know, right on girl, and it's really kind of a cute scene. Hopefully, she follows this instinct and stays away from Adam. Chelsea's voiceover closes out that scene by saying, Now that Adam and I are over, I hope I can find a guy good enough for me and Aubrey. Chelsea's next scene begins with her voiceover reminding the viewer that since her dad agreed to pay the rent as long as she keeps up with school, she really needs to study. Unfortunately, we see her falling into a similar trap that we've seen many of the teen moms fall in by this point to where it's difficult to pay attention to school when you have a small child running around. But in Chelsea's case, even when she puts baby Aubrey down for a nap, she still can't seem to concentrate. So, to try to help her concentration, she and her roommate Megan take baby Aubrey and go shopping. What else? While Aubrey, Megan, and Chelsea are out on a shopping trip, Chelsea gets a phone call. It's a boy named Chris from their school, from her school, from a school, and he wants to ask Chelsea on a date. So that's kind of exciting. Anybody's better than Adam, I hope. Jeez. Chelsea and Chris agree on a time. They hang up the phone, and Megan is excited for her. She's encouraging her and wants her to go, and Chelsea says she's nervous, but her voiceover does say that this Chris fellow knows her entire history with Adam, so that awkwardness is already out of the way. I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully this is a good thing for her. When we next see Chelsea, she is going on her date. She gets to leave baby Aubrey with Megan, some built-in babysitting there. Can't fault you for that one. And she heads out with this Chris character. It starts off okay. They're in the car just making small talk. Um, Chelsea does mention that Aubrey has diarrhea. Chris makes a face, and the scene quickly cuts to them being in the restaurant. 
Unfortunately for Chelsea, it looks like they got a table near a television set that is showing some sports ball game. And Chris cannot take his eyes off whatever fucking game is on the TV. There must be 20 different cuts of him looking at the TV. You know, there's food in front of him. There's not food in front of him. He's eating. He's talking. He's actually asking her a question at some point, not even making eye contact with her, looking at the TV while saying something like, how's Aubrey? How's your food? Or what? It doesn't matter because he's clearly not even in the moment. It makes me wonder if this is another MTV setup thing or if this is organic, if he just wanted to be on the show, I wonder. But regardless, Chelsea is not excited, tells him straight up multiple times to stop watching the television set. Hey, stop watching the game. You've been such a turd. Should I text Megan again? Cincinnati's gonna lose this game. Cool. You don't care, obviously. Not at all. This whole time she's been telling you to stop watching the TV, dude. She does not give two fucking shits about who is winning and who is losing. You'd better just be paying that fucking bill for wasting her goddamn time. Oh, so disappointing. But we all have bad dates, unfortunately. Chelsea's voiceover closes out that scene by saying, This date was a bust, and it makes it clear that dating and being a mom is going to be a lot harder than I thought. After Chelsea's total dud of a date, she decides to have a one-on-one session with one man she knows she can always depend on, Papa Randy. Chelsea and her dad, Randy, are sitting down in what I think is his living room, with baby Aubrey talking about how cute she is, how much bigger she's gotten. Apparently, she's almost nine months old now. So I think this episode spanned about a month's time because wasn't she seven months in the beginning of this episode? It doesn't matter. Chelsea's talking to her dad about how different things are than what she expected, similar to Kaylin's situation. She sarcastically says, oh, you know, I thought Adam and I were going to be living together. And clearly that's not the way it worked out. Randy says back to her that he never really got the happily ever after vibe from Adam. I want a happily ever after. It'll come. It's never too late. I still, like, miss him. I don't think you miss him. I think you miss the concept of him. Yeah. I'm fine when I'm with my friends and stuff. Like, I don't even think about him. But then when I'm home alone... Like, I still, like, I'm sad. That'll go away. I know. Like, I don't want him back. I just don't see me ever having, like, a boyfriend. Why? Because I have a baby, and I'm trying to do school. I feel like I'm going to look back at these years and so regret everything. That's why I do want to graduate. It's just hard. In one year, like, I've had a kid. I moved out. It's like all this stuff is happening. You're not going to be finding someone ready to your age. I know, and that's hard because I know I have to be alone for a while. You're never going to be alone. Aw, I love it when we have supportive family members who are in tune with the other person's feelings and empathetic enough to show support while also maintaining reality. And I... (laughs) 
It's such a hard find in this show, but we really see it here with Randy in this moment. And he's trying to support Chelsea the best he can without telling her, girl, you're going to be fine, and dismissing her emotions altogether. It's so sweet that Chelsea has this safe person in her father, such an important man in her life that she can always depend on. Chelsea's voiceover closes out that scene by saying she knows that her dad is right, but then why does she feel so alone? And finally, we arrive at Miss Janelle. Janelle's recap starts with, what's up? I'm Janelle. Literally everyone else is like, hi, I'm Leah, or hi, it's Kaylin. Hi, you remember me, I'm Chelsea, or something like that. What's up? It's Janelle. All right, girl, I see you. Janelle reminds us that she has gotten pregnant and had her baby, Jace, who is so cute and nine months old. So it's been a long time, and I'm really not sure, but Janelle's voiceover also reminds us that Andrew and she had broken up, and he has dropped off the face of the earth. Mm, I can't say I didn't see that coming, but I just don't remember if that was divulged in her 16 and Pregnant episode or not. And since this is about having fun and not doing research, I'm not going to go check. Janelle also says she's still trying to maintain her social life with being a parent, but her mother is still on her case about how much she goes out, which makes me think that there's not quite so much balancing going on. Though I will say, in the spirit of credit where credit is due, Janelle did graduate high school and says she's planning on college in the fall. After Janelle's recap, we see her getting baby Jace changed, and Barbara walks in and they're cooing and awing over the little baby, and why wouldn't you? Barbara hands Jace a bear or some kind of toy that Barbara says, yeah, this is from Daddy Andrew. And then she asks Janelle, where is Andrew, by the way? Janelle says... She thinks he's modeling in China. Okay, I have got to know what he's really doing and why or how he came up with this story. You saw him. If you watched along with me, you saw him. No way is he still currently modeling in China. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I've never seen these modeling pictures from China. I'm, I, I don't know. Janelle says that she wasn't sure if he was paying child support, but he is. Okay, so he's getting some kind of income. As Barbara and Janelle are having this conversation about Daddy Andrew, they move out into the kitchen with baby Jace. And at that point, Janelle starts saying, yeah, well, you know what? I'm kind of glad that all this happened with Andrew. I'm still doing it myself. I got a car. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And Barbara promptly puts her in her place and says, you're still going out. You know, Andrew was like, no good. I'm glad he's out of the picture. He's only seen the baby like four times. But I mean, I like it because I can focus on Jace. See, I got a car. I did, I've did. i been doing perfectly fine. But you're still out partying all the time. No, I don't. You left last night. Last night was a Saturday night. So what? Saturday. You're still the mo a mother. You should That's be That's when I go baby. out on Saturday nights. And Friday night and Thursday night and Wednesday no, night. No, not really. So this I have some mixed feelings about. Obviously, dear listener, you know where I stand on the leaving your baby at home so you can go out and do whatever the fuck you want. I'm not for it. Anti that. But I will say that 
If it's true what Janelle is saying about all these good things that she's done for herself and where she's gotten herself up to this point, Barbara picks a very interesting time to come down on her for something she's still doing wrong. Granted, it's a big thing, and it's something that's worth mentioning, truly. But as someone who comes from a place whose own mother will also pick the times where you're feeling the most proud to remind you of your faults, I have to see it through that lens. And it's very angering, and you get extra defensive when a person is trying to say, hey, but don't forget all this other shit you did. Don't forget what you still have to do. Don't forget the milestones you haven't reached yet. And you're trying to be appreciative of the things that you've done. That's one of my number one pet peeves. And actually, one of the reasons why I hate college so much. My only counselor was kind of like that. Well, this is great, but you really need to work on all this other stuff. And it wasn't an encouraging way. It was a, you better do this or you're fucked. Ugh, I pay you money. So I do have to look at this conversation between Janelle and Barbara as a both sides kind of thing. No, Janelle, stay home. Why is it so hard for you to stay home? Barbara could have picked a much better time to bring that up and also could have just given her a little acknowledgement like, yeah, you did a great job with all of that. That's why you see this resentment between Janelle and Barbara. And that's why you hear Janelle become defensive. No, that was a Saturday. Frustrating to listen to. After that brief conversation we just listened to, Baby Jay starts fussing a little bit and Barbara says, oh, he wants me and puts her hands out, which to a baby clearly means I will hold you now. And Janelle maintains, no, he doesn't. He wants his bottle. I'm holding him right now. And Barbara doesn't really listen and continues to speak only to Jace and says, come here come here, just like you would to a small child. And then we hear Janelle say something we will hear many times, he's my child. That scene closes out with Janelle's voiceover saying that, my mom and I argue a lot when it comes to Jace, but the bottom line is, I'm Jace's mom. When we next see Janelle, she's giving baby Jace a bath and telling everybody what a good mom she is. I'm really trying to be a good mom. I'm spending a lot of time with Jace. And I always put him to bed before I go out. Where are you going now? Out! Aw, but she spends so much time with Jace. I can't imagine. After Janelle announces that she is indeed going out, she heads over to a friend's house with her friend Tori and a bunch of her other friends. This girl is very social. As they're getting ready to head out, Tori asks Janelle if she's going to miss Jace, and Janelle says, well, after he came home from daycare, I gave him a bath, which is what we heard her doing in her introduction to this scene, and fed him and put him to bed. And there's this weird, awkward silence, which Janelle quickly fills in with, you know, but I'll always miss him. <laughs> and Tori says, aw, like, okay, I guess that didn't raise any flags for dear Tori, so that's fine. MTV does some kind of editing trick to make it seem like Janelle is saying, oh, well, I'll always miss him, and Tori speaks over her and says, but you're going out. I'm not going to give much credence to that exchange. I think that was more MTV trying to drive home the idea that Janelle simply does not give a fuck, and I guess it's probably not that far off. Janelle, Tori, and the rest of the friends head out to something called the City Limits Saloon, where Janelle is drinking something from a glass. It looks like it could be pop. I'm not going to lie. Okay, soda, for those of us not in the Midwest. 
There is a mechanical bull there that Janelle rides and has a lot of fun on. She does fall off, but she stayed on there way longer than I ever could, so more power to her. After Janelle falls off the bull, the scene transitions into the next day where Barbara is getting Jace's bottles ready in the kitchen and bemoaning it the entire time. As she's getting the bottles ready, she's saying, oh yeah, well here I am doing the bottles again. Not Chanel though. You know what? It's always about Chanel. That's how it's always, always been. And just kind of going on and on. And again, I I love Barbara. Don't get me wrong. I don't feel like she's really in the wrong too much on her principles. But it's definitely like I'm making a big deal about this because the cameras are here. And she has a right to. It's bullshit. But I just wonder if she would be talking this much behind Janelle's back without the cameras. I don't know. I might take that out. I'll have to think about that one. As irritated as Barbara is with the situation, she knocks on Janelle's door with baby Jace on her hip and lets Janelle know that she's going to work now and taking the baby to daycare. Janelle sleepily turns around and just goes, "Uh uh-huh. Barbara, as much as she was complaining before, might know better than to poke a sleeping bear and says, okay, well answer your phone if I call. Uh Uh-huh. Don't forget. Mm. Like barely a reaction or a confirmation that she had been heard. But Barbara leaves with Jace and Janelle continues to sleep. And that's how we end out that scene with Janelle. The situation doesn't seem to improve much in Janelle's next scene. It opens up with her already hanging out with a bunch of people who aren't Baby Jace. I don't think Baby Jace counts as one of her friends, so mm, sorry, Jace. And her voiceover tells us that her mom thinks that she should be hanging out with Jace. Hanging out with Jace, what does that mean? But he's at home sleeping, so she's going over to her friend Amber's house, another person who we did see in her 16 and pregnant and will continue to see as we will Tori. We don't hear much else about her night over Amber's house, but the scene transitions into the next day, and Janelle's voiceover says, Since I got home this morning... So she did stay out all night. Since I got home this morning, my mom's been giving me the cold shoulder. I'm not sure what we see next is the cold shoulder exactly, but I definitely get the too many cooks in the kitchen vibe. It makes me really suffocated and uncomfortable. We see Barbara trying to feed baby Jace and Janelle looking on trying to be involved, I guess, or at least trying to appear involved. It's difficult to tell from this scene where it starts if Barbara was already in the process of feeding Jace and Janelle came over, if they started feeding him together, or if maybe by some crazy chance Janelle actually said, hey, Jace is hungry, I better feed him, and Barbara stepped in and said, no, Janelle, I'm going to feed Jace. Don't you fucking dare feed this baby. (laughs) I highly doubt that that happened, but we need to throw it out there as a possibility. This is about this time of day, guys. We're not some... whatever. Janelle tries many different things to try to engage Jace a little bit more in being fed his breakfast, like kneeling down in front of him and opening her mouth so Jace will mimic her. This is a great idea if a completely different person wasn't already trying to feed him his food. So what is she ultimately doing here, distracting him from what is really 
the moment of being fed your food by Barbara. Barbara is trying to feed him. Janelle is not understanding that a baby can't comprehend two moving parts. Do you know what I mean? He can't understand that what the fuck Janelle is doing next to him, opening and closing her mouth like a crazy person, has anything to do with what Barbara is doing with her hands, which has food in them, which may or may not be any good. I don't know. That's not why we're here. We are here, however, to discuss that Janelle here is not doing much to actually help as much as she is kind of just getting in the way. We also see her try to get Jace to turn his head for some unknown reason and trying to wipe his face when it's really not that big of a deal either way. I personally think that the wiping of the face could have been fine, but we do hear Barbara kind of admonish her and say, Janelle, don't worry about wiping his face. And it is more in a softer tone. She's not yelling at her. But you can tell she's annoyed because at this point, Janelle has done nothing but slow down the process. I'm sure Barbara has other fucking things to do. After the feeding, we see Janelle almost immediately take Jace out of the high chair and put him up above her head. I'm like, are you stupid? That baby is going to puke all over you. He doesn't, but I'm sure we're not far away from that. As Janelle is walking with baby Jace now at eye level with her, Barbara abruptly kind of grabs him from Janelle, but I think she was more or less expecting a handoff. Janelle protests and says, no, why are you taking him? And Barbara says, I have to change his diaper. I don't know why you have to grab a baby from another person without saying anything to change the baby's diaper. I feel like there should have been some conversation beforehand and notably there is an edit here. So there could have been a conversation beforehand that we are just not privy to, but it is very abrupt and very abrasive, an abrasive move coming from Barbara here where she just grabs Jace and says, no, I'm taking him. I see why that could maybe throw Janelle off a little bit, even if she isn't the most present. After Barbara says, I'm going to change his diaper, Janelle says, why can't I change his diaper? But... We don't get an answer to that question as viewers, and the next thing we see is Barbara taking care of business. So I don't know what that conversation was or how that went or why Janelle just didn't say, Mom, I'll do it. Or why Barbara didn't just let her do it the second that she said, Why can't I do it? Okay, do it. Let me see you do it. You know, almost like a dare even. Take it to that level if you want. It's a weird edit to this scene but it totally adds to the tension. After Jace is changed and clean, Barbara sits down with Janelle and they start having a more serious conversation. You know, Joan, there's a lot of things that lately I've been really frustrated about. You know, Jace is nine months old now and instead of you stepping up, you're getting worse. I don't feel guilty about going out because I'm a teen and I'm a mother. A mother gets up and does it. Okay, gets okay. so baby. right now, right now, when you just fed him, why did I not feed him? When you changed his diaper... Because you're too busy texting when you, on the phone. When you... When, when, you are not the parent. I am the well, parent. Well, then be a parent. I'm not I'm putting... through, dude. Yeah. I'm not putting up with it. No more. So we're presented an interesting premise here. Obviously, we're hearing that Janelle thinks that she wants to help with baby Jace and take care of him. Why am I not the one feeding him? Why are you the one doing this? You need to let me parent. I'm the mom, blah, blah, blah. And 
I will say I can see an overbearing mother going a little too far and taking care a little too much of their grandchild when maybe you should just let mom handle it. My question is, does mom ever handle it? (laughs) I don't really think that we would see Barbara stepping in to feed Jace, stepping in to change Jace, this, that, or the other thing, if we also weren't seeing Janelle ignoring Jace, or at least putting him off, making him a secondary thought. Obviously, we already know that he's not primary on Janelle's mind, but we see her very adamantly defending the fact that I'm not embarrassed of the fact that I go out. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I go out. I'm okay with this, and I'm still doing this, and you won't let me be a mom. But where where's the actual truth in that? Who is not stepping up, and who is picking up the slack? That's my question. And, of course, we hear Barbara make some kind of comment about Janelle being too busy texting. Duh. Which is immature. Why did you have to put that duh in there? It'd be one thing just to say, yeah, you're too busy texting. But really, come on. I expect a little bit more. Mm -mm. Janelle's next scene, as so many of them we will find out do, starts with a very small disagreement argument and turns into a gigantic fucking mess where there's yelling and throwing and just things that make me feel gross. Janelle's voiceover starts the scene by saying that since their last argument, Janelle has been trying to ignore her mom and just focus on Jace, which would be great if we didn't know that focusing on Jace means when she's home and when Jace is awake. Anyway, we see Janelle taking care of Jace, giving him a bath, and he is the sweetest little baby boy, by the way. Like, just barely rivaled by my baby cousins and baby nephew. Like, seriously, his eyes and his eyelashes, he's just a sweet little one. I gotta think of a good nickname for him since we have Potato Bug Bentley. I forget what we called baby Leah, but she was something too. I don't know, we'll have to think of a good one for baby Jace. Janelle takes baby Jace out of the tub, dries him off, and gets him changed for bed. She puts him in his crib, and as she's about to say goodnight and turn off the lights, Barbara comes in, notices that the nightwear that Jace has on is a little too big, and tells Janelle that she should really change him. It's too big of an outfit. Janelle, refusing to listen, just says, no, it's fine. Leave it the way it is. It's fine. And Barbara, instead of saying, well, it could be a suffocation risk, says, well, I don't want the baby to get cold. It was cold last night and blah, blah, blah. That's not convincing. I wonder what would have happened if Barbara said, look, baby Jace could suffocate if that's too big on him. Why take the risk? Can we just put something different on him? Do you want to pick it out? We could have gone a completely different way here. But instead, what happens is Janelle does not want to hear what Barbara has to say about baby Jace being cold at night in his extra-large nightwear, which, honestly, I'm not a mom, again, but I don't think this looks too big. I don't think it could pose a risk of suffocation, but still, all the same, why take that chance? You have clothes that will fit him. Put on clothes that will fit him. Janelle walks out of the room in a huff, saying that she has to go to the bathroom, and as soon as she walks out of the door, Barbara says, I'm changing his clothes. 
Barbara starts to change baby Jace, and Janelle walks back into the room asking, why are you changing him? What are you doing? And Barbara again says, he's going to get cold. That was too big on him. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, much like we have seen with Farah and Deborah, I feel like we are seeing that similar element here between Barbara and Janelle. Now, Barbara's right. Barbara is completely right. Jay should be in a well-fitting night outfit for sleep. However, her way of going about this is completely incorrect. Instead of allowing Janelle to take that rein, which who knows if she really would or not, but she's not even given the opportunity. Instead of allowing Janelle that opportunity, Barbara decides for her, I'm changing him. Janelle predictably comes back in the room. Why are you changing him? You can't just let him wear what I want him to wear. I can never pick what he wants to wear. And she gets very upset because this is another, in her mind, encroach upon her motherhood and her parenthood and probably more or less her ownership over Jace. You know how some people feel about their children, like their pawns. I feel like she probably... No, Janelle definitely feels that way about Jace and probably her other kids as well. When Janelle sees that clearly nothing she says is going to make Barbara say anything different than she already has, Janelle essentially admits defeat and walks out of the room. Barbara asks where she's going. Janelle doesn't reply. Barbara continues putting Jace down, turns off the lights, and then immediately goes to confront Janelle. Janelle wants none of it. Janelle, mom, leave me alone! What are you yelling for? I can't even f***ing take care of my child. You won't even let me pick out his outfit. He is my child. I should choose his outfit. I Janelle, should put his clothes on him. I oh don't want to arguing about outfits. I'm not talking no more. I'm disconnecting the internet. I feel like it's a big jump to go from you won't let me take care of my child to I'm disconnecting the internet, but I guess, you know, that is the best way to communicate with teenagers at this point in time. Regardless, though, they are ignoring the bigger problem, which is both of their needs to control Jace, whereas we know Barbara does have good intentions and honestly is picking up a lot of slack for Janelle. She is very poor in her execution, where she focuses on the negative, she is unhelpful in her words, and tries to take control instead of persuading Janelle. Granted, she knows Janelle much better than we do. Maybe it is a lost cause. However, when Janelle reacts this way, you need to come up with a better answer, I think, than I don't want to argue about outfits. And MTV would have us believe that Janelle responding, I don't want to talk anymore, in actually kind of a neutral way for how Janelle talks, would then lead Barbara to disconnect the internet. So I'm not sure what really happened here, but we do see Barbara taking that full step for control. And well, you'll hear what happens next. You're about to make me flip out, dude. You're about to make me flip if you do not look up that bag that internet. What are you doing? Get get out! You didn't pay for that! What are you doing? What are you doing with that? You're not taking that! That's mine! What are you doing? Leave me alone! That's mine! There! Happy? Now get out! No! 
Leave. Leave me alone. I want you. Get the f out of my face. I said to get. Get the f out of my face. Get out. That's it. You're done. You better get out because they're calling the cops. All of that because Jace's nighttime outfit was too big. I can't even imagine living in an environment like that every day where such a small thing can explode into this massive argument. You hear Janelle saying, you're about to make me fucking flip out, dude, if you don't reconnect that internet. She's very upset already and it's not going to stop she gets up walks over to where her mom has hidden the wi-fi router or whatever they're using back in 2010 broadband i don't know (laughs) but she goes and finds the device takes it back to where it should be and assumably plugs it back in barbara follows her that's why you hear her yelling you don't pay for that blah 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 and then that smack you hear that bang you hear Janelle gets frustrated with Barbara and throws the router and if that's not bad enough when the yelling and the intense music in the background climax Janelle in fact physically pushes Barbara her own fucking mother see that's why I can't vibe with Janelle the same way I would Farah. but here we have Janelle having no problem laying hands on her mother no that's fucking despicable so yeah they're both guilty here but I did not see Barbara smacking this shit out of Janelle and that is just so wrong on so many fucking levels also please take note that this is the very first time in Teen Mom 2 in which the cops are threatened to be called on Janelle aww In Janelle's next scene, her voiceover tells us that since that explosive argument with her mother, she has not been able to get in contact with her, and she really misses Jace. So, since Barbara's not picking up the phone, Janelle decides to just pop by. I'm not really sure how these things work, but as Janelle pulls up into the residence, a police officer or some person of the court approaches the car asks if she's Janelle Evans, and serves her with custody papers. It looks like Barbara is taking Janelle to court for full custody of baby Jace, probably citing negligence. Janelle responds in the most Janelle way possible, which, of course, is exactly incongruent with what you need to win a custody case. The other voices you hear in this track besides Barbara are Janelle's friends, Tori, and some other nameless dude with a lip ring. I'll be right back. Oh. Come on, better run, dude. Janelle's so pissed off. you, you stupid I hate you. So you, and you're going to be served, Mom. He's nine months old. You don't ever take care of him. You're out all the time. I told you, you will not... You're not going to get custody. Easy as that. Because I see that child every day. And I make sure I see that child every day. Shut the up, stupid bitch. Wow. Okay. Does Janelle think that 
not neglecting a child means seeing them every day. That's a really um, Ryan-esque way of looking at it, if you ask me. Janelle, you have to do more than just see the child every day to hold up in court that you are a capable parent. And certainly, storming in on your mother, saying that you hate her, throwing verbal assault after verbal assault at her on camera is not going to help your fucking case, you goddamn idiot. Janelle throws in one more I hate you before she walks out the door, and she and her friends confer on the front lawn about her served papers. At that point, we see Barbara leave the house, come outside, and start arguing with Janelle more. I don't understand why she did that. Once again, that need for control is coming in. Janelle had the upper hand. She had the last word. Barbara can't have that. So she's got to go outside and she's got to make sure everybody sees that Janelle's in the wrong here, that Barbara is doing right by Jace, and she is. But again, her execution here is very flawed. She should have stayed inside. She should have just told Janelle to get off of her property or she was going to call the police and leave it at that and then follow through, okay? I don't believe there was another cop threat made here so we can keep our count at one. However, I think that would have been the way to go instead of continuing the conversation when Janelle was clearly already at a breaking point and already doing herself in. Barbara, you don't need to help her. There is definite editing happening here. I'm not totally sure what the conversation is. All we hear is Barbara saying, you know what, Janelle, this is my house. Janelle immediately gets in Barbara's face, full on screaming. And I think you've had enough of that this episode, so I'm going to spare you that audio. It is a little jarring if you're sensitive to that sort of thing. And I don't like to put too much of this in there if I don't have to. Janelle's talking about she doesn't give a fuck if it's her house. Barbara's saying the whole reason I did this was to get you out of this house and away from that baby. After Barbara is shown to have said that, there's another editing cut. And the next thing we see is Janelle up in Barbara's face saying, you know I could fucking punch you in your face right now. I swear to God I'm about to, Mom. I swear to fucking God. You better back the fuck up and get back inside the house. Get back inside the house. And she's body checking her. This is serious. And Tori and whatever lip ring friend that Janelle has back there, they're just watching. No one's stepping in. Why is this so acceptable? How come they're letting Janelle body check her own fucking mother? And this is where Janelle is ultimately the scumbag for putting her hands on her mom, for putting her hands on anybody, let alone her mom. Neither of them, again, are in the right, but this is just over the fucking top. Of course, as we've known Barbara so far this episode, being shown displays of blatant aggression deters her not and she does not go inside the house willingly. Janelle basically has to body check her into the house and Barbara is still fighting her. She actually takes off her glasses because she's convinced that Janelle's going to hit her but does not relent in any way shape or form. I understand that you don't want to give off the impression that you're letting Janelle win, letting Janelle bully you, letting Janelle push you around, but your safety is at stake here, and also you're being fucking filmed. This is all going to go down in court, or it can probably be somehow 
admissible somehow. I, I just, it's not a good way to go. It's frustrating because if one of them could walk away, none of this would have happened. And also, who knows where Jace is during all of this? MTV shows a few clips of him sitting at the door, but I feel like he can't be sitting there that entire time because people are going in and out of that door seemingly quite a bit with all the arguing. It's very confusing, and the whole thing is chaotic, but I'm sure that scene itself in real life was extremely chaotic. The scene ends out with that argument somehow moving from the near entrance of the house to the driveway to Janelle and Barbara yelling from a distance at each other about, well, clearly you're the bad mom too because I'm the one that got pregnant at 16. And Barbara yelling, well, you're the one that opened your legs. Like super classy stuff for your neighborhood, really bringing up the value. Wow, you guys, what an intense return to the Teen Mom universe that we had today. Thank you so much for joining me on this wild ride, as I promised you. Hope you non-believers are starting to see the light. Be sure to join us for our next session, where we'll be discussing episode two of Teen Mom 2. So much to lose, and there really is so much to lose, especially in Janelle's case. God. This girl drives me fucking mad. Until then, you can catch us on Instagram or Twitter at A-T-T-O-D podcast on Instagram or Twitter. That's the acronym for the show about this time of day. On there, you'll just find cool things I like to do, such as bad art for every session and a preview into each session's companion strain. You'll also see up there updates as to when the next session will be posted. So all good information, all good stuff for you to see. As we wrap up this session, I just want to call attention to the fact that About This Time of Day has been around for a full 365 plus a little more. I did miss the official anniversary, but I just want to take another opportunity to thank everyone for listening. I can't believe we've been doing this for an entire year, (laughs) but I'm so happy that we have. It's definitely been giving me a great outlet for my anxiety, and I have loved talking teen mom and getting so fucking high with you guys. So yeah, a full year. It's just cool. We...